I've learned that when you're playing video games, and you may, especially you children may know this, that some games do better with certain kinds of monitors. Some games do good with just the latest technology. You have to have the latest technology for the game to work. Others require you to use the old, bulky televisions from the 1970s and 80s for the game to work. If you don't use that, it won't work. So, speaking of big, what would you think about this special gaming system that I've made up in my head? Okay? This gaming system has two parts. One is a very large screen. In fact, it's not like that 55-inch screen that wraps around your desk. But this is a screen that is projected up into the sky where everybody in the South Hills can see what's on your monitor. Your mom, your dad, your sisters, your friends, your grandparents, all of them can see what's on the screen. Now, the game, this monitoring or this uh, <coughs> gaming system has a special kind of software. It's not really a game. Instead, it has a program that shows all your thoughts displayed on the screen. Now, before you kids say, wow, that's cool, let me explain a little bit further about that, okay? Every bad thought that you've had in the last week, every temptation, even all the things that you have done and you thought no one saw, is displayed on the screen again for everyone to see. And all you have to do is take these two wires and clip them to your earlobes, and all that information is uploaded on that screen. Kids, would you play that, mon that gaming system? Would you want to do it? Adults, are you game? Would you want to do it? Well, not me, of course, no. We, we're all sinners, and we know that uh, we don't want our sins to go public like that. We don't at all. In the book of Galatians, the Christians in that, that city or that province have been taught that each of them was a sinner and that there is absolutely no way through works of the law that you can gain and earn salvation to take care of those sins that you don't want other people to, say, to see. But yet, for whatever reason, these Christians in Galatia had rejected that kind of message, that gospel, for whatever reason. Paul said to them, I am astonished that you have so quickly abandoned him who called you in the grace of Christ. He tells them in chapter 3, he says, oh foolish Galatians, who has tricked you? Then, then later in chapter 5, he says, you were running well. Who cut in on you? In this book, in this letter, Paul reminds them of the truth that they already knew. They knew that they had received the Spirit and salvation, received Jesus through faith, not through works of the law. God had demonstrated through the Spirit miracles among them, not based on what they had done, but simply through the faith they had in Jesus Christ. In the passage that we're going to look at this morning, we see two things. We see the blessing of Abraham for all who have faith, the same faith as Abraham, the blessing contrasted with the curse of, for those who rely on works in order to gain their salvation. So let me read this passage to you. This is Galatians chapter 3, verses 9 through 14. We read verse 9 last week, but it ties in so well with this passage. I've included it in the reading. Paul says this, So then, those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham 
the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now, it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. So that we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your word is powerful and your gospel is real. Lord, pray this morning that you would make it clear to us again that our lives are based on faith to gain salvation and our lives are based on faith to live out that salvation now. So guide this time in Jesus' name. Amen. The point I want to make this morning, and we'll see if I do that by the end of this message, is this. Living life based on faith in Jesus Christ, not based on our works, is the only way to know and experience God's blessings. I want to look at three things this morning. One is the curse of law-based living. Secondly is the blessing of faith-based living. And then I want to look at the promise of the Spirit through faith, that blessing that we have through faith in Christ. First, the curse of law-based living. Verse 10, let me turn back to it. Verse 10 says this, it says, For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. He then quotes from Deuteronomy chapter 27. Now, uh, let me give you some background in Deuteronomy chapter 27. Moses is alive, but he's not going to be alive for long. And the time to cross over the Jordan River is going to be coming very soon. So knowing this, Moses gives a directive to the people of Israel. He says to them, God has now made you his people. Now you are to obey him. And he tells them this, when you arrive into Jordan, you're going to find two mountains. One, you'll find Mount Gerizim, and you'll find Mount Ebal. When you arrive, half the tribes are to go up Mount Gerizim to re represent the blessings of God, and then half the tribes are to go up Mount Ebal to represent the curses of God. And Moses says, Levites, you shall then declare these curses. And in the chapter is numerous curses that he the Levites are to declare and the people are to say, Amen. Just a few of them are this. They are to say, Cursed be everyone who makes idols. And the people are to say, Amen. Cursed be everyone who dishonors their mother and father. And the people are to say, Amen. And cursed be anyone who misleads the blind. And the people are to say, Amen. Now, there are many more curses. In chapter 28, even more curses are, are pronounced. But here's how he sums it up. In chapter 28 in, in Deuteronomy, verse 59, he says this, If you do not obey all of the law of God, then the Lord will bring on you and your offspring extraordinary afflictions, 
afflictions severe and lasting, and sicknesses grievous and lasting. Wow, that's pretty harsh. Very harsh. He's saying that we have to, if we live by the law, we have to obey it all. That, that is how we gain salvation if we're going to do it by our works. But we know that we can't do it. James chapter 2, 10, James chapter 2, verse 10 says this, For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in just one point is guilty of all of the law. Now, Paul is talking about a blessing, and then he talks about this curse. This is no accident that Paul is bringing this up. He talks about the blessing of Abraham with the blessing of Mount Gerizim in mind. And he talks about the curse on those who rely on the law for salvation. And he's thinking about Mount Ebal. So, is it possible to keep the whole law? Of course, we know it's not. Remember the TV monitor? None of us, even the oldest of us, even the most holy of us, would never want to have that monitor hooked up to our earlobes. So it's impossible. Verse 11 says so. It says, Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. Paul is quoting Habakkuk chapter 2, and in that chapter he's telling Habakkuk, yeah, there's some proud ones out there that think they've got it made. They think they really are doing a great job. And God says, but they are not upright because only those who live by faith are righteous. In the New Testament, we have verses that say the same thing, don't we? Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. In other words, we all choose Mount, uh, Mount Ebal. We go to the curses. We're just like those puffed up people. Righteous people, God says, are not those who live by good works, but those who live by faith. Uh, Romans 6, 23, you've known that one when you first became a Christian probably. It says, for the wages of sin is death, the curses, but the free gift of God, the blessing, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 12, I won't elaborate, but he says the same thing. The law is not of faith, but rather the one who does them shall live by them. What about us? Most of us aren't worried about following the Mosaic Law. I don't think many of us have a copy. Well, we have the Bible. But not many of us have posted on a wall the Mosaic Laws that I must keep and try to do them every day to earn God's favor. None of us, I hope, none of us have that approach to life. But if the truth be known, we all have a sinful bent to gain God's pleasure, to use our own actions and our own works to gain favor, to increase our favor before God or to please people. In fact, an example of the way that we do that is when we are people-pleasing. We, we see other people's standards, which might be good ones. Our boss, has, our boss and where we work have standards. But when that becomes like our idol, that's what we've got to do to earn favor and to be right before the eyes of God and man that we are falling prey to law living. And then my personal favor is perfectionism, where I think that I have to live a certain way to, before I think that I am worthy of God's love. That's something I struggle with. But um, when, when we fail, I know for me, when I fail, I become angry, discouraged, I feel defeated. 
And the result is what we see in Galatians chapter 2, verse 21. Let me read that. This is a verse that Paul says to the people. He says, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. What happens when we focus on our actions to gain favor and merit before God and for other people? Paul says it nullifies, it has a nullifying effect on God's grace. It has a nullifying effect on the Christ, the cross of Jesus Christ in our lives. And chapter, I won't read the passage, but in, in Galatians 5, it talks about the works of the flesh, things like immorality, impurity, idolatry, jealousy, it goes on. Those are things that we become vulnerable to when we try to live by the law because we fail every single time we try to do that. And the result is that things like depression and anxiety and fear, regret, uh, conflicts with other people. Those are the results of trying to live by our works. What about you? Is that a struggle for you? It is for me. If that is a struggle, folks, there's hope. Verse 13 says this. It says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Listen, all those terrible curses from Deuteronomy, all of them were rolled together onto one person, Jesus, and He bore all of them for those who believe on Him to all of them who believe on His work of being cursed for us. So if righteousness is through law-keeping, then Christ died for no reason. That, that death on the cross was for nothing. But He did die. He did take the curse, the whole curse upon Himself. He died and He rose again to break that curse. He quotes here in this verse 13 something that's a little bit odd. It says, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. That comes from Deuteronomy chapter 21. And I, I knew, I, I thought in my gut, I thought the Israelites never killed people by crucifixion. So what's he talking about? Well, the law says that people who are criminals would be stoned to death. And there was a stipulation in the, in the Old Testament, and you see it in Deuteronomy 21, where some of the most horrible criminals... After they were dead from stoning, were to be strung up a tree. Literally, the word means wood. So it could have been a tree, a pole, a post, or something. Strung up for everyone to see them. A public display to say to them, If you disobey the law of God, this is what you also deserve. A public display. Jesus became a public display. He was hung on a tree, but he wasn't dead when he was hung. He was alive, and he stayed on that cross until he died. But he was not really, it was not really a warning for which he hung, but a declaration to all believers that the curse is over. You see, by his death, by his resurrection, there is hope. One of the verses that encouraged me so much when I was a young Christian was out of Colossians chapter 2, 
verses 14 and 15. And I wish I had had time to make slides to have it projected. I struggled a lot when I was a young Christian with whether or not my salvation really was based on God's grace through faith. I thought that there was a little bit that I still needed to do to earn God's favor. And I remember reading these verses and being so encouraged that He had saved me by His power and not by mine. Let me read it and walk through this. And listen to this. It's very neat. It says in this passage, God has forgiven us all our sins. How? By counseling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside, nailing it to the cross. And he disarmed the rulers and authorities, the evil powers. And listen to what he did. And Jesus put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him, literally, on, triumphing over them in his cross. His public shame on the cross became the public shame of the powers of evil, the law of sin and death. Jesus, by his death, defeated death. And put it to shame. And, that's became, and it became the blessing for all who believe on Him. That's why it says in verse 14, it says, So that in Jesus Christ the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. We meaning not just the Gentiles, but Jewish believers as well. Well, how do we... Look at this today. You know, it talks about the blessing of the promised spirit. What is this promised spirit that we receive through faith? My goodness. Becky, Becky told me that when I got ready to preach, she said, when you preach, be sure you do it as you're teaching because I love to teach as well. So I wish I had more time to take each of these passages that I'm going to briefly refer to and just dig out such rich truths. But I'm just going to refer to them and let you look at them later. Uh, in John chapters 15 and 16, Jesus teaches us about the Holy Spirit. He says, the Holy Spirit, he says, I will send to you and it will teach you all things. The Holy Spirit will remind you of everything that I've taught you. The Holy Spirit will guide you into the truth. That's the work of the Spirit. You can't get that by living by the law. You can get some information, but you can't get the encouragement and teaching that the Holy Spirit provides to those who believe. And in Galatians, there's a lot about the Holy Spirit. In chapter 4, it says the Holy Spirit confirms our adoption as God's sons and daughters. But if we live by some sort of law in our life, we'll never have that confidence that we belong to Him. I didn't when I was a young believer. Galatians chapter 5 has a lot to say about the Holy Spirit. With the Holy Spirit, we are enabled to eagerly await for the hope of righteousness. We have righteousness now, but the full understanding of it we will see when we arrive in heaven. But if we live by law, we're always dealing with fear. Oh, have I done enough? Oh, I'm just wringing our hands in fear. Galatians 5, you know the verses uh, it, it says that by living by the Holy Spirit, it yields a fruit that's full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, 
faithfulness, self-control against such things as no law because there's no law that can develop those things. Only the person of the Holy Spirit can do that in us through faith, not by our works. Where are you? Are you under the curse or are you under the blessing? Which mountain are you residing on? If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, if you have not trusted Jesus as your Savior, if you're trying to earn salvation by yourself, you are under the curse. What a terrible, fearful way to live. If that is you, I say this, stop. Jesus is calling you to His freedom, freedom through faith in Him for the forgiveness of your sins. Now, if you're a follower of Christ, if you're trusting that Christ has saved you from the curse, and therefore you are a child of God and you are under the blessing, but if you have gone back to living by some form of law, what a terrible and fearful way to live. And to you I say, stop. Jesus has already called you to his freedom. Freedom through faith in him. If we're honest with ourselves, we all slip back into a works-oriented type of living from time to time. And so in Galatians chapter 5, verse 25, there's a command there. A command for you and me. If you're in Jesus Christ, it says this. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. How do we walk by the Spirit? Again, if I had time, I would open up so many scriptures that are so wonderful. But it just suffice to say this. There are several things that stand out. We walk by the Spirit by setting Christ as the Lord in our lives. Living the same way now as we did when we became Christians. By faith and faith alone. We walk by the Spirit as we interact with God's Word, letting Jesus Christ feed us. We interact, we, we walk by the Spirit as we interact with God through prayer. As Jesus teaches us and comforts us in the Scriptures, we respond to Him through prayer. We walk by the Spirit by interacting with Christians through fellowship. As His Word dwells in each of us, we encourage one another in that faith. And we walk by the Spirit by interacting with the world, bearing witness along with the Holy Spirit, along with the Word of God, of the salvation that is found in Jesus Christ. Would Paul be astonished with you? Would he call you a foolish Galatian? Would he call me a foolish Galatian? Paul loved the Galatians. He loved them immensely. And so his, his rebukes and his charges to them were not out of shame or trying to shame them, but encouragement. And so for that reason, he says this at the first verse of chapter 5. He says, Christ has set you free for freedom. So stand firm and do not go back to that cursed life of living by your works. Jesus loves you, folks, and he calls you to the same thing. Amen.